our school tomorrow, so that's good news. Good and bad, bittersweet. Y'all won't be seeing me everywhere all the time anymore. I'm going to be gone. So, yeah, let's get right into the message. Stay in the gym. This is the message for today. Everybody stay in the gym. I really, I'm not going to preach. I'm going to just tell Jamil to come up and tell y'all to meet him Monday, Tuesday, and Friday. And that's, that's the rest of the message. Make sure y'all come to the multi-purpose room every week and get your workout in. I personally don't come, you know. I, I like having legs that I can walk with after, after a workout, but y'all can do that. Yeah, so, you know, it is important to be physically fit as much as you can, but that's not mainly what we're going to be talking about. When we talk about staying in the gym, uh, you know, we're talking about spiritually staying in the gym, not your physical uh, body staying in the gym. So... Let's look at, think of somebody that you like. Think of somebody who's famous probably. Maybe they're not famous, but they've done some great stuff in their life. Pretty cool person. You know, you think of somebody who can dunk too, may. Somebody who can dunk on you if they want to or, you know. Somebody who's achieved something great. Uh, you got that person in your mind? Are you thinking about this person? All right. So, you can think of a scientist, athlete, musician, anything like that. Oppenheimer if you're into, you know, destructive properties. But now imagine this person that you're thinking about. I'm going to use Usain Bolt because he's just such a good example for this. It's going to work out great. So let's use Usain Bolt. This is him right here, you know. You don't want to get copyright, so you use it. This is Usain Bolt right here. So imagine Usain Bolt said he got on social media and said, I would like to hold a press conference. Okay. Usain Bolt's holding a press conference. This is important. It's probably going to be on the national news. He walks up. <clears throat> okay, uh, hi, everybody. I'm so glad that you're all here. This is before he's retired, of course. Let's go back 10 years. And this is Usain Bolt. He's like, I just wanted to announce that the Olympics is in like three years. And my new training regimen is I'm not going to practice because I've gotten famous, right? And so I don't have time to get on the track and run and do all this exercise that they have me doing with the parachute and I'm running doing all this resistance training. So I told my managers and coaches, forget all of that. I'm just going to focus on being this personality that I am. Usain Bolt, the guy, you know, I'm him. So I don't even need to practice. I'm the fastest man in the world. I don't need to practice for the next Olympics coming up. Every competition I'm going to win and everything is going to be right. You know, I'm just not going to have to worry about it. So then he just, you know, he tells his press conference, I'm not going to practice anymore. Forget that. I'm too busy doing all this other stuff. And then, you know, everybody is going to be on the national news pretty quick. Shannon Sharp, I can see him right now saying, this man is crazy. How does he think he's not going to work out and, and, and actually run? Stephen A. Smith would, would go off on anybody who thought he would be able to do it. And we'd all be like, this is a crazy man to think that he can just go and do whatever he wants and get away with it. So, obviously, when, when it times for the Olympics to come, you know, it's time for him to race, he's not going to do too good. He's going to lose the race. You know, he's like, I'm here. Usain Bolt went from being 180 lean, now he's like 220, 230, no muscle in sight, his, his uh, track suit doesn't fit like it used to, and he's out there. The, the gun goes off, he's running, but he's in last place, he loses the race. Because, you know, obviously, 
he's going to tire out faster. He hasn't been training himself. He's tired now. His, his lung capacity has shortened. Sure, he has a little bit of muscle memory, but he's not the same like he used to be. And so, you know, he's now the slowest person, and it's probably going to be the slowest race he's ever run. So, of course, yeah, he's a loser because he decided not to keep the conditioning that he had, and now he doesn't perform as well as he did. So this is what happens to us. We stop conditioning ourselves, and then, you know, we're walking down the street, and it's all of a sudden, sudden, you know, you're like, whoa, I'm, Satan's got me. He's caught me up. I'm really lost in the sauce now. You know, that's, that's what happens. We, we, we say, you know, we're not going to condition anymore. I'm lost in the sauce. We mess ourselves up in that way. So, you know, you can't do this without a biblical example. I could just say that's the message and go down, but then you guys would be like, he didn't even quote any scriptures. So, let's go to the Bible. So, here's your example. This is the best example. We're going to read the entire book of Judges tonight. Everybody get comfortable. Can I get a seat up here so that I can read the book of Judges for y'all? We're going to go through this entire chapter. We'll be going home by 1130. Are y'all good with that? Anybody got somewhere to be? <laughs> I'm playing. I'm playing. But the book of Judges, we know what it's about. The first I'm going to say 13 chapters mainly focuses on judges and then it's pre, pre-kingdom kingship Israel that happens in like verses 14 through 16. We see the Benjamites do some crazy stuff, almost get kicked, killed entirely. And the book of Judges, I picked this book because it's a great example of disobedience and failures of the Israelites. We see this happens. First, chapter one starts by highlighting their failures in Canaan. And in the entire, uh, while they were trying to conquer the land, it highlights all their failures. Benjamin fails, Zebulun fails, Nephtali fails, Dan is hidden up in the mountains. Because at that time, the Israelites are supposed to conquer the land and take over everything. And they don't do that. They, they, some of them say, you know what, we're not going to kill these people. We're going to make them our servants. And so now there's a mixture of people that God never told them to do, and that's how they end up there. So uh, a lot of them fail at what they're supposed to do. And now they disobey the direct order of the Lord. That's the first thing that happens. First, Joshua dies, and they're like, okay, Joshua said we got to do X, Y, and Z, and then they go and fail. That's the whole first chapter. Then Joshua dies, they're supposed to obey, and then they fail immediately disobey people are like you know what we're not we don't need to do that they call it the book of judges they you know theologians call it the cycle of apostasy in the book we see this cycle of freedom apostasy bondage repentance deliverance and back free we see that cycle it goes on like this multiple times we this is basically the format of the whole book right here if you remember this, you know the book of Judges. You may not know all the judges' names. You may not know who Shamgar is and why he had an ox gold in his hand. But you know the premise of the book. So the cycle of apostasy is what happens. The people would disobey God, then they would pray for relief. And then they would have freedom, prosperity. And then, you know, once they get that freedom and prosperity, they they say, who is God? Forget him. We, we're doing this on our own. And God's like, okay, here go the people that you didn't deliver yourselves from, go back into the bondage that you were in and the places that you want to go since you don't want to obey me. They get into bondage. They ask God to help them out. God helps them out. And then they're back free. Kind of sounds familiar in some ways. 
So one of the best and most interesting phrases inside the book of Judges is, so the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. You actually see it a few times. It's a very common phrase, and, and uh, I went through, I'm sorry, Judges, I may be wrong, but I see it six times. Chapter 3, two times, chapter 4, chapter 6, chapter 10, and chapter 13, they say it. This is before some of the, I'll call them the main judges because they have a long length, or length story, do what they're supposed to do in the book of Judges. So they have the longer length. It's very common, seen six times. And then, of course, we know Benjamin, they basically were, yeah, they were eradicated by their own brothers almost. And then they were like, we're not going to give you any of our children to marry. It's a long story. I don't have, if you have time, read, read the book of Judges, but right now we can't do it. Israel's relationship with God for the entire book was terrible. It was great, terrible. Hills and valleys is basically what it is. There was never a time that it was like, wow, the book ended off on a good note. Even some of the people who delivered Israel, um, Jephthah, he, he delivered Israel, but he mistaked God for Magog, I think it is. And he was like, whatever comes out of my house first, I will sacrifice to God. And his daughter ended up coming out. And people still are like, why did God allow him to do that? God didn't tell him to make that promise. He said it himself. So, yeah, even some of the judges had flaws because of how Israel was living during that time and disobeying God. So, it's easy to judge Israel and say, man, they sh all these miracles that they see, all these judges that helped them, Gideon wins with 300 soldiers. Look at all this history they got. How could they do such a thing? If I was there, I wouldn't do that. I've learned my lesson saying that because I say if I was there, I wouldn't do that. And then you get in a certain situation that's kind of like it and you look just like somebody else. So let's look in the mirror. We, 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 it's easy for us to, you know, hey, Israel did that. Shame on them. I would never do that. You know, you see your sibling. Ooh, I won't do that. And then next time you with your buddy going and doing the exact same thing. Y'all get them whipped together. So it's easy for us to take their shortcomings and say, oh, that's Israel. That's not me. But let's look at ourselves and see how we are flawed and messed up. So this is let me know if this sounds like you or this is just me, I guess. You have a problem in your life and you're like, my God, Lord, please help me with this problem. How am I going to climb this mountain right here? I don't, I'm not sure what I'm going to be able to do with this. And then what does God do? He helps you out. He's like, here, I got you. You're my son. Come on. Let me help you get up this mountain. Let me elevate you to where you're supposed to do. And then he takes me to the top. You see, I was planning on going to the, the first peak, even though I wasn't going to make it that far. I was probably going to make it right, right about there. But I was planning to go to the first peak. But God elevates me higher than I was expecting to be. And I'm up there like, wow, it's real nice up here, God. I appreciate you, man. This was higher than I expected it to be. And then I'm looking around. I'm like, you know, I'm so glad I made it up here by myself. Nobody helped me get up here. It was all me. Me and God, God and me. And God, he wasn't even answering my prayers. It was me, really. You know, remember all the coincidences that happened? Not the miracles. The coincidences of me not being qualified, me getting what I needed to get and making it where I needed to go. You know, the truck almost crashed into me, but that was just a coincidence. I pushed on the gas and got past him in time, you know? 
even though my car is 85 years old and it doesn't have an accelerator anymore. But that's all me. I put a new fuel injection system in my... And then, you know, while you're up there boasting and you're like, yeah, that's me. I did that. I'm him. Guess where? You're over here walking and you find yourself, oh, Lord, where am I? Lord, I'm falling off already. Help me, Lord. You're like, Lord, well, first, first you try to admit nothing's wrong. That's what I do. At first, while I'm hanging on there, I'm like, oh, it's fine. Don't worry about me. It's, it's not that bad. I'm good. I'm good. I, I did this on purpose. I'm, I'm supposed to be hanging like this. I'm doing a trick for y'all, you know? That's what I'm doing. It's a trick. But then you start to get tired of holding on. If you ever did a pull-up, you know it's not fun. So then you'd like, Lord, please help me. And God's merciful and kind enough to just be like, okay, I got you. Even though, you know, even though I'm over here boasting about myself, God still helps me out and delivers me from the trouble I caused for myself because I was too busy boasting and walking around. So, again, y'all are still thinking, where's the scriptures at? I'm getting to them. Here we go. Here's the scriptures that we're going to get to. Don't you just love Paul's letters? Paul, Paul is so straightforward. And sometimes people be like, well, Jesus didn't say that. And I'm like, well, Jesus sent Paul and Paul said it. Said it so we can't go against it. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he says, we are all running our race. Usually, you know, when you think of a race, you're thinking about who can I pass? But this race that we want is a little bit special. Instead of worrying about who can I pass or surpass, we're running about how can I get better at running this race for myself? It's like a marathon. If you're not in a competitive marathon like the Chicago Marathon, you're just running to run, you're not worried about the person who's running at an hour and a half, two-hour pace. You're worried about how am I going to make it to the finish line? I've got 26.2 miles to go. I've been running for 10 minutes, and it's only been 1.1 miles that I've ran. If you've ran, you know. Sometimes the clock don't move when you run. It's like a plank. Have you ever had a plank minute? It's not a real minute. It's, it's like three or five. So Paul says, run your own race. And we're running our own race, but most of the time we're running, we, we think we got to run against other people. We're competing against people like, well, at least I'm doing better than, than him, you know. Sure, I, 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 may, I may sin half the time, but we know what he's doing. He's claiming God, but he's all the way over here doing cash app scams. He sent me a Snapchat message a few days ago talking about, here, you can get 10,000 if you send me 100 tomorrow. Some of us know about that. I've seen like, I had, I had to delete my Snapchat and restart because once you get one spammers, like they all just start, he's the one to get. Go ahead, start adding him as a friend. So let's read the verse. It says, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 through 27. The HCSB version, it says, don't you know that the runners in the stadium all race, but only one receives the prize. Run in such a way to win the prize. Now, everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. However, they do it to receive a crown that will fade away, but we a crown that will never fade away. Therefore, I do not run like one who runs aimlessly or box like one beating the air. Instead, I discipline my body and bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Scary verse for us preachers, right? This one right here always gets me. I'm like, Lord, I don't want to preach anymore. Go ahead. This one and the one in James where it says teachers are going to get a stricter judgment. I'm like, why me? I, I guess I don't need to teach anymore. Can I, you know, sit down and just enjoy? But 
you know, that's what some of us, we used to spend time with Jesus a lot. Like when you first got saved, reading the Bible is very fun. It's fun now if you, if you know how to read it properly. But reading the Bible is very fun. But then some days, you know, you got to read the Bible. You've had a long day. You're tired. And you're like, why read the Bible when I don't have to work to watch Netflix? Or, you know, I don't have to work to be on TikTok. I just got to swipe my thumb up and it'll do the rest for me. I don't have to work to put the microwave in the popcorn, press three minutes, let it pop, come back, put it in a bowl, go sit down and pick the movie that I want to watch. Because I have a list of movies. Every day I'm like, I can go watch this, this, that, this, and that. And that's what we do. You know, usually we're, 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 we're like that. Because, you know, I've read the Bible. I've read the whole Bible before. So I already know what's in there. So I can skip today or I can skip two days probably. I can skip just one time because I'm tired. I can skip this one. And because we have muscle memory, and when somebody quotes a famous verse, we can quote it back to them. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I know that one, brother. We think we're good, you know? Sure, I messed up a few times. Sure, I didn't read my Bible, and I was messing up and forgot about it. And sure, I've been skipping the prayer call, because Lord, that's 6 a.m. Do not lay in your bed and turn it on. I'm warning y'all right now. I've made the mistake. I turn it on. I'm like, yes, Lord. I wake up, everybody saying, thank you for the prayer. God bless. <sighs> Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry. I was, I was praying. I was in the spirit of prayer, but it just, it just went over what I had. So, yeah, we see this. We see people have these great feats from God. You get up, you preach. Everybody gets saved in the audience. The pastor who invited you is on the altar crying out to the Lord. And you're like, man, I did all of this stuff with God. I'm pretty much good. I'm him. I know what I'm doing. I got it. And then, you know, once we surmount that mountain, that guy helped us get over. And then we, we say, we don't need people who, who are helping us, our conviction and prayer partners. I don't need them to pray for me. Me and God are like this because I... I can preach the walls off the church and it'll, be, it'll renew itself and make a brand new church. Or, you know, every time I pray at the hospital, the person ends up getting up and walking out. Or, you know, every time I've, I've turned water into wine for myself. We was at the celery and I said, Lord, bless this water. And it turned into wine for the people. And it was like, wow, this is amazing. So because we surmount one mountain or because, you know, I've achieved so much, look at all these things that I've achieved with God. I don't need to study. Me and God are like this. We know everything, you know? The Bible, I've read it. I know it. I've memorized it. But, and then there's another one. So, and then we make ourselves think that we're the ones that got on the mountain like that picture. We're the ones like, yeah, it was me. All this stuff that I did, the testimonies I gave, it was me. Remember when I said, God helped me get that new place and that new thing? No, I, I had to sit inside the parking lot and sign the lease, so it was me. So, you know, God helped me out. Sure, I asked him for help, and he was there, but I had to do the work, so it was me. It was easy for me to do it. And then, you know, the problem is, it's not the problem. The problem isn't that we say that we can, we can do some, and then we get proven wrong. You know, like if somebody told me they're a good hooper, and they're going to hoop against me, and they, they claim that they're the best, they're talking smack, and I beat them real good, and I was like, dog, you can't hoop. But the problem is, we think we're good hoopers, or we think we're good, and we think we look like this. We're like, yeah, that's me right there. 
that's me. I'm just, I'm him. I, I climbed the mountain. You see all these muscles and scars? That's me. I'm strong. But in reality, you know, we, we think we're that because we can do a few things in the church, or we think we're that because we've done a few things. But in reality, we are a couch potato. And, and then the slightest things, the lightest thing will make us mess up. You know, we think we're, we think we're all up here, but in reality, uh, I just do use me as an example. In, a rea- in reality, if I'm serving at church, there's food involved, and I don't get a plate, and I'm hungry, it's, it's kind of stressful for me. I'm like, Lord, how are you going to let your servant starve? Come on, Lord, just give me a plate. I just need two burgers. I just need something to eat. Or, you know, you're serving in the church, you're sweeping the floor, and somebody drops one skittle on the floor, and you're like, I'm done. I'm done. He saw me sweeping, and there's a skittle on the floor. There's a skittle. Dude, the dude is, he's three years old. No, he saw me sweeping, and there's a skittle on the floor, and I'm mad at him. You know, the slightest things will mess us up. We're not even able to withstand the devil's advances. We say we study the Bible, but we really don't follow what the Bible says. We say, you know, we're studying the Bible. I'm reading the word. And then somebody's like, so brother, what do you think about the book of Ezekiel? I haven't read Ezekiel in 45 years or I don't know, a long time. I don't even touch the book of Ezekiel. It's too many metaphors and symbolisms. We, we say that we're following God, but we're actively in disobedience. We're disobeying God. Instead of loving others and doing what he tells us to do, we're doing our own thing. God said, love everyone, you know, not tolerate everyone. Be kind to your enemies. Do to them as, as you would like to be done to you. But instead, you're doing to them like you wouldn't want to be done to you. And in return, you're like, I'm going to leave them alone. And it's like, my goodness. Being kind, I thought that was a... I thought that was a fruit of the spirit. Where's your fruit of the spirit at? It's on this couch. I, I didn't feel like picking it up and taking it with me. And when I get home, I'm going to sit back down and be comfortable. Because again, we think we look like this. We think we're that because we, we memorize a few scriptures and we haven't read the Bible since we memorized those scriptures. Or we memorize those scriptures and we haven't memorized any other scriptures since. Are you telling me that the word is boiled down to Psalm 1, Psalm 23, Psalm 150? No. The word is... It's a lot of different scriptures in the word that we can use. You know, it's like, oh, I know, I know a few scriptures. I know that they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. But, okay, that's good for you. God bless you. But I can guarantee that some people who say that and they know all those verses, there's somebody who's new in the, into Christ that is on a higher level than they are. Because, sure, I don't, I don't know all those verses. I don't know those things that are popular. But I'm eagerly searching and seeking for God. And so that's what differentiates the good from the, the real muscle people and the, the muscle spirits versus the couch potatoes. You know, your Holy Spirit is so weak. I'm talking about myself, guys. I'm not talking about you. Here, let me just do this. Your Holy Spirit is so weak that at the slightest inconvenience, you, you, you fall into sin, you know? You're like, oh, you're like, I need the Holy Spirit to help me out with this and resist these temptations. And then, you know, all somebody has to do it's after you've eaten all your plates, you're full, and you know you're full. All somebody has to do is slide a piece of peach cobbler in front of you, and all of a sudden, you're breaking all your rules. You say, God, I'm going to do A, B, C, D for a certain amount of days. And all, all, all that has to happen is 
you're late in traffic one day. Well, since the time that I was supposed to read the Bible was 6.30 and it's 6.31, we have to restart tomorrow. I would just have to read it tomorrow because my time is not working like it was and the plan is not going according to plan. And so, you know, I, I, I got caught up in this this summer. I was supposed to, I had a plan. I was eager and ambitious. October, I got my calendar, my 2023 calendar. I was like, all right, let's see what podcast I'm going to do for the summer. Wrote down all these plans for podcasts that I was supposed to upload and, and, and record. And if you, if you follow the podcast, you would know last week I didn't even post one. <laughs> and I'm like, Lord, I have my excuses, but forgive me for what I've done. I'm, I'm supposed to keep to the plan. And then we end up in disobedience altogether, you know, because, because our spirit is weak, the flesh isn't even willing, neither is the spirit. We're just sitting there, you know, they say the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The f spirit is not even willing. It's like, no, we don't want to do that. So now we end up, we end up in disobedience and everybody can tell. It's like, hey, brother, we're cleaning up. Do you mind helping us clean up? Why are you talking to me like that? Get away from me. Why are you... I'm just asking for help folding up the chairs or, you know, huh, I'm trying to talk to you. You're talking to somebody, you're being nice to them. And all of a sudden, something you say makes them mad. I'm like, I'm sorry. That's, that's my fault. I guess I shouldn't have been talking to you in a kind manner. You know, everything ticks somebody off real easy. You don't even need to say nothing. You can just say, I like your shoes. Why you like my shoes? I don't like your shoes then. How about, that's what I want to do every time somebody, somebody comes to me, I, I have the roast written down. The Lord is working on me, but, you know, I keep my pocketbook. Keep, put their name, who, what's your name again? Joe, okay. Joe, well, I got some roast for you, Joe. Next time you try that, I'm saving them up. Next time Joe comes, I'm going to pull them out. Well, Joe, you so, I'm just like, no. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah, when my flesh starts to rise, I try to get conviction partners in different areas of my life. Whether every area of my life, I try to have somebody I have conviction with and keep me on point. I haven't found somebody for my podcast yet, probably because I haven't been searching as much as I should, but I'm getting there. So I try to keep somebody who's going to keep me accountable because, sure, we can ignore our own advances and the own, our own things that tell us, hey, you got to do this, you got to do A, B, C, D, E, F, G. But then, you know, when you have your conviction partner and somebody who's really going to be like, come on, you got to push yourself, you got to do better then you're going to walk right with God. James 5, verse 16. Uh, confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. Conviction partners are a part of that process. If you're, if you're, you're falling into sin, you can go to them, look, brother, I need some, some prayer that I'm falling into these sins. But the problem is we're couch potatoes. We don't want to hang out with nobody. We don't want to do nothing because it's comfortable on the couch. I can't lie. Those staycations be nice. When you get in the house, you have your movies lined out. You got your snacks from Walmart. After going through that self-checkout process, almost accidentally robbing the store from scanning stuff, you're like, Lord Jesus, do I scan this TV as a watermelon or what? Huh? We going to make it out. You get nervous when they, they check in your receipt. It's like, I always get picked, so I always double check before I get up there. I'm like, Lord, they're not going to catch me slipping. I'm not going to have to call my parents like, yes, um, I'm in county, so y'all got to come get me for shoplifting. But yeah, so what's the solution? You know, we can complain about a lot of things. We can do a, we can do a whole lot of things about it. And this solution is mind-blowing. You would never believe that this is a solution to the problems that we face and the outcomes that we have. 
I searched the entire Bible for this solution and I found it in the deep cracks and crevices. You will never guess. I was like, Lord, is it in Leviticus? I'm looking for it. And he was like, here you go, it's right here. I'm like, thank you, I've been looking. This solution is so amazing. I'm telling you guys, it's like a Nutribullet. You know when you saw those infomercials? It's as true as they say it is. It's like the scrub daddy. That's why they keep making money. This solution is crazy. Are you ready for it? Return to the cross. I, I really dug for this one. I'm, I'm telling y'all, it was hard to find. I looked through the whole Old Testament. I'm like, Lord, where is it? I don't know. Then I went to the New Testament. I skipped the Gospels. I didn't think it was in there. I went to Acts. It was kind of in there, you know. But return to the cross. And, you know, study the word. Do the things that bring you closer to God. Sometimes we think we're already close enough to God. And we think we're like Moses. And God's going to cover the rock. Pass by and let him see the backside of him. But we're not Moses. We, you know, you don't want to be Moses, really. They tried to kill him because he was obeying God. Let me just say that. But we're not Moses. And so we have to, we have an opportunity though to be close to God just as Moses was close to God and to be close to him in relationship with him just as Moses was. But do we often take it? No. You know, I, you know, the Lord's been working on me. Sometimes I'm difficult and hard on myself. If I sin, I'm like, Lord, I'm, I'm no good for you. Just, just let me go. You know, I don't want to repent. It's like, man, I feel like, Imagine, I think of myself, if my friend came to me after doing me dirty for the 30 billionth time, I'm like, man, God, I'm so glad you're tolerating this because dog is bad. It's bad. I'm sorry. So we return to the cross. You should continue to work, read the word every day in your good or bad days and not fall into the traps. Now, it's easier said to not fall into the traps than it is done because sometimes we don't even recognize the traps. We've been sitting on the couch too long. So... I know we have busy schedules. Everybody's demanding something. I already counted down. I have 110 days left in this semester, approximately 15 and a half weeks. I'm not ready. I don't want to go, but I got to go and get finished. So I'm just counting down the days. I'm like, Lord, just let me get through. This. I hope I, I wish I just had an advanced skip. I can just skip to the end of the semester and be done. But it's not that easy. So I got all that stuff. I got a hundred things. I'm eager to get out. But I still have to make time for God because I have to apologize to Mother Malone because she came to me in the back of the church. She was like, hey, do you want to join the book club for this semester? I think your devil was there. And I said, oh, I don't got time for all of that. Godly book club? I have to be learning about mathematical theorems this whole semester and I don't have time to be trying to figure out the book club. I've got differential equations, having to know cosine, tangent, seeking, and all that stuff and figure out how the integral is going to come out. So I don't have time to do all that. You know, I got my time for God. I got my time for my work. I got scientific theorems to prove. And then, you know, God was like, oh, so you don't have time to, to read a godly book? I'm like, Lord, forgive me. So I might, I might have to get in there. I'm going to get in with you. I'm going to sign my name up. But yeah, so even on the bad days, we have busy schedules, but the best example I can use is athletes at Ole Miss or Northwest. At Northwest, who watches the Northwest soccer team? Nobody. See, that's, that's exactly what I wanted. Do you know, regardless of who's going to watch the game, Ole Miss had a soccer game at 6 o'clock and they had another event at 6 o'clock. Guess where everybody was at? Not at the soccer game. Do you know that these soccer teams, 
these students having 15 credit hours just like me, some of them are not like uh, these other NF, uh, NFL draft pick athletes who do multidisciplinary and do all 100 level classes. Some of them are actually uh, in biomedical engineering and things like that. They get up at five o'clock in the morning and get ready to start training. And I'm like, I, I just think about how my semester went. Five o'clock in the morning, then you gotta go to class, then you gotta do your homework, and then after that, they have another practice, and then they, they probably can go to bed for the night and do whatever they want. And I'm like, that's some real commitment. And so if they, if they can do that, and why are they doing that? Because they want to obtain the prize. They have, they have a reason. Even the sorriest team in the NBA, they go to practice every day. They, they train enough. I mean, sure, you can argue that they're getting paid millions of dollars to be there and they're, they're on popular status and their Instagram makes them money, but that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> so they practice because they want to obtain the prize and they're in the gym all the time because it's important. I'm in the gym because I have to get all these things. I'm strengthening myself. I'm learning new ways to do things. I'm learning new ways to kick the ball, how to curve the ball. If I don't practice, I won't get good. One of the things I hated about learning the guitar is I had to practice a whole lot. And because my parents were paying for lessons, they made sure I practiced. Even if I was like, I'm not going to practice, but they made sure I practiced. And now, because of thanks to mathematics, I haven't been able to practice. Every time I go back to my guitar, after like two minutes of playing, my hand is hurting where it used to not hurt. My hand is feeling weird. I'm like, man, my hand is hurting from just playing a little bit. I can't do like I used to do because I haven't been practicing. So when we, when we practice, we get better. But the thing is, some of, us, some of us are like, yes, I'm busy, but I'm busy doing God's work. I'm too busy for God because I'm doing his work. I caught myself in that bind. You know, you up at three o'clock editing a video. You're like, Lord, please, let me just go to bed after this. And then you're laying down, you're rolling. It's four o'clock in the morning. He's like, just, just read a little bit, buddy. Just read a little bit. Man, I'm doing your will and your work, even though sometimes I don't feel like it, so I don't have time to do this. Or, you know, you gotta, it's a Saturday, and I got to go do a trustee meeting. I'm like, Lord, why did they make this meeting so early? Couldn't it have been at 2 o'clock in the afternoon? I'm tired. I just wanted my Saturday to sleep. Can't get it. Or, you know, you have other stuff to do for God. And so you're too busy for God because you're trying to do God's will. Imagine if your husband or your wife was like, I'm too busy to be with you and, and, and love on you because I'm, I'm working to make sure you have everything that you need. And it's like, well, then, this is not going to work out because this relationship is not built on me having you getting what I need. It's built on us loving one another. So there's that. So you plan your days around studying the word of God because life is never too busy to spend time with God. Thank God for Chi Alpha because I'm a part of them at Ole Miss. They have this, it's called Bento, B-I-N-T-O. It's built in, not tacked on. That means you build in your time with God. Don't tack it on at the end of a day like, oh, I see I have a little bit of empty space here, so I'm, I'm going to add God into the schedule. Intentionally put God into your schedule, whether it means uh, ostracizing or moving yourself away from certain situations or doing something else. If, you, if somebody says, hey, you want to go to the movies at 10 and you're supposed to be spending time with God at 10? Imagine if you're supposed to go on a date with your girlfriend at 10 and you're like, hey, girl, my friends want to go to the movies, so I can't, I can't go on this date with you. I'm going I'm to go to the movies with them and I'll catch you at like 10, I'm sorry, midnight, 1 o'clock. You think she's going to want to do that? 
<laughs> I'm glad. Thank you. I won't do that then. I'm going to keep that note. So, look, see, I told you I keep them in my back pocket. I'm going to fold that one up, put it in. So, here's what keeps us from being an ill-prepared couch potato. Now, again, I had to search for this stuff, y'all. Y'all, y'all are not giving, giving this message the credit that it deserves because I had to dig for these. Yeah, I was like, man, these are hard to find. Every time you have to look for something, it's like, man, it was here three, three times before. Now I don't know where it is at. So here's the things that we can do. First off, this one is obvious. I'm kidding. No, it's not for some people. Maintain a relationship with Christ. How do we maintain a relationship with Christ? What are you doing to maintain a relationship with Christ? So how can we do this? Well, first, we got to paint the picture because James 1 verse 22 says, be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself. So first off, we have to be doers of the word. You can't maintain a relationship with Christ if you're not hearing what he's saying and doing what he says. You can hear it, but if you're not doing it, you can't maintain a relationship with him. So that's the first thing we need to do. We need to obey be hearers of God's word and obey his voice. Secondly, we need to be a righteous person and meditate. It says, HCSB, I know the King James, but how happy is the man who does not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path of the sinners or join a group of mockers? That we can stay at that verse, that could be a whole message by itself because of the things that people quote from social media. Well, according to this TikTok pastor who cusses on occasion and calls Jesus a stripper, we need to be giving every single penny to God and ourselves. I'm like, wow, thank you. Thank you for listening to him because where's the money going at in his church? So, and then it says, instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. So we should meditate on the word at all the time. I got to do a two hour drive five days a week for, uh, man, I don't got the math for you right now. 15 and a half weeks. So I got time now. I can do two hours. I can listen to the word, listen to the book while I'm driving. I'm going to be on the road, but you know, that's going, it's going to work out. So then once we become a righteous person and meditate on his words, not taking the advice of the wicked and doing what the wicked do and not hanging around the sinners, expecting ourselves to be saved. We go to Hebrews four, verse 12, which says for the word of God is living and effective, sharper than any double edged sword, penetrating as far as a separation of the soul and spirit, joints and marrow and able to judge the ideas and thoughts of the heart. So now because we're meditating on the word, it's cutting through us. It's chopping us up. Have you ever had a dull knife and then you bought a new knife and you was like, my goodness, why, why didn't I just get this for uh, the last six months I've been using this dull knife? And so now we have to meditate on the word. First, we have to listen to the word, do what the word says, meditate on it and spend time with God. And now because we're meditating on the word and spending time with God, it's penetrating, separating the spirit and the soul, separating the joints and the marrow, and it's able to judge the heart. And then because we do all, and then after we do all of that, this is the one that people miss all the time. And I can't lie, sometimes I'm like this. I'd be like, I don't want to come to this church event because I'm tired and I want to stay home and I don't want to be there. And I just, you know, want to chill out at home. This one, Colossians 3 verse 16 says, let the message about the Messiah dwell richly among you, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom and singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. The first part is the one that gets us. Let the message about the Messiah dwell richly among you. 
I don't be talking about God all the time with my godly friends. That's tr- problematic within itself. I'm like, yes, we're Christian friends, but we're not talking about God. Did you hear what Stephen A. Smith said? Did you see the the the, the, the NBA mid the play-in trophy? Well, the mid turn the mid-season tournament. By the way, the the Miami Heat is winning that mug. Anyway, did you see about that? No. We're supposed to be talking, admonishing, teaching one another, and sharing all our wisdom, singing songs, worshiping together. We come to church, but after church, what are we talking about? If we're talking about, man, we was in service, and what's his name didn't take the table upstairs. Well, did you take the table upstairs, brother? So then why are you talking about what's his name? I don't want to hear that. (laughs) Or, you know, man, this person did this in this class. I don't want to hear that. Did you go talk to this person about what they said in the class? Why are you concerning me with the business that's not mine? That's why I thank God I have to edit videos after service. I can just walk straight up there, get up there, edit, and be like, God bless y'all. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and I'm out. So, yeah, there's that. And so, once we do that, oh, yep, that's it. So, once we do that, we should be connected and living better than we have been living. Because, sure, we're, we're all surmounting mountains at all the time, all the time, and following what God says. But if we're not fellowshipping with one another, if we're not meditating on God's word, if we're not walking righteously, if we're not doing what God says for us to do and just not hearing only, because I can tell my dad stories all the time, like, you told me and, and A, B, C, D, E to do X, Y, and Z, and it was just me doing X, Y, and Z. I don't know where A, B, C, D, E went, but he probably was hanging out with F. Oh, my goodness, I just lost my alphabet. That's why I wasn't an English major. He's FGH. He's probably hanging out with FGH. <laughs> Memorized them things. But yeah. So yeah. I, I try not to do that. But, you know, we say, I don't want to hear what the bishop has to say. He's just the bishop. I don't want to do what he has to say. But if you're a servant in this church, you're under the leadership of the, the pastor. You're supposed to obey the word that God has given him for us to do. And it's that simple. <clears throat> 